Welcome to The Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. We've talked about going big before on the show. We've talked IPAs. We've talked triple IPAs before. But we've never talked about going really big on your IPAs. In this episode, I'm talking to Tim Kazoulis of Five Threads Brewing Company in Westlake, California, about how he makes his 5X IPA that comes in at 17% ABV with 170 IBUs, and yet is surprisingly crisp, clean, and drinkable. But first, a message from our sponsors. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association, a group of more than 40,000 individuals from more than 70 countries who share a passion for brewing and enjoying great beer. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org. All right, welcome back, everybody, and thank you for listening to those messages from our fine, fine sponsors. Remember, as always, if you interact with any of them, please let them know that you heard about them here on The Brew Files. And as I mentioned in the introduction, sometimes you want to go small, sometimes you want to go big, and sometimes you want to go OMG big. And in order to discuss something OMG big, I've brought on my buddy Tim. Tim, say hi to everybody and tell them who you are. Hey guys, uh, my name is Tim Kazoulis. I'm the owner and brewer at Five Threads Brewing Company over in Westlake. Just for people who aren't familiar with LA geography, Tim and I are about as far apart as you can get in this area and still be part of the same region. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in frontier land over here. <laughs> well, don't worry, I'm on the other side of that. <laughs> Tim, tell people about Five Threads. How, how long have you guys been in business? What do you typically make? Well, we uh, opened our doors in 2015, October, uh, after about a year of uh, build-out, and um, we we make a variety of things. So we make um, <laughs> well-crafted beers and uh, and uh, a variety of flavors. Uh, you know, a lot of breweries like to stick to you know IPAs, for example, and they make just um, a couple iterations of their IPAs. We I've been a home brewer since 2009 and um i always like trying new things so um i try and have the the range on the board so we've got you know english bitter we've got blonde we've got porters we've got stouts we've got ipas we've got hazy ipas um you even have a belgian on the board still currently and uh and recently we've uh, been experimenting 
thing with the the higher end of the ABV range, and we've uh, come up with this line of beers called the the Five X series. Um, started with our stout, and and most recently uh, we've added the Five X IPA. Well, and I did want to back up and touch on that one point. Yes, you guys are one of the few people left in LA, I think, who have a porter regularly on tap. <laughs> yeah, um, it's um, you know it's it's one of my favorite beers, so it's uh, something that I like to have on tap. Uh, on a regular basis and when it goes off um, people miss it so uh, I do try and try and uh, keep them happy and keep a little bit of the porter going and we have a, a coconut version of it too so that that seems to be pretty popular as well yeah there, there are always those uh, crazy regulars who they may be the only people who buy something but the second it's off the menu they're like hey what happened to the thing I love this <laughs> exactly yeah so it's a it's a balancing act of well you want it but you're the only one that buys it and it's hard to go through seven barrels of beer <laughs> with one person drinking it so you said okay you make a whole, whole wide range of beers and in mm-hmm. the past people will remember we've talked with craig chaplin a couple of times about making triple ipa we had the we had the program about triple ipa a couple of weeks back you were mentioned in there for your notes about making bliss, which was kind of a riff on uh, Craig's triple IPA, his, his old or not bliss, sorry, Nirvana. Craig's Nirvana. Yeah. Craig's Nirvana, which is a a riff on Craig's uh, old school IPA. Correct. And that, I mean, that, that was kind of like the biggest beer. I knew you guys for a while, but now you, you said it in the the upfront, you have this five X series. So one, describe what the mantra is behind the five X series. What is the thought behind the five X series? Um, yeah, we did Craig's Nirvana and and a couple of other um, higher ABV beers. Like uh, we took our our double IPA Bliss and made a double version of that, uh, which made it a quadruple IPA. Um, <laughs> so we called it Double Bliss, uh, and and that was doing pretty well, but. Um, we, we decided to push the limits. So um, I thought I'd start with, well, actually, uh, I was I was hiking in the mountains soon after we had done the, the double bliss. Uh, I took my kids up to see the sequoias and we're walking among these massive trees and I come back and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> let's, let's go for quintuple. We're, we're five threads and quintuple is five. So let's, let's push for a quintuple beer. Um, and, uh, so it started with a stout and we called it Sequoia stout. Um, <clears throat> I think on the label it was actually still called a, a quadruple, but in, in what we're looking at now, we're, we'd be calling it quintuple. So, and uh, that was an American stout, so it had a little bit of hop character to it, and 17%. And uh, people really enjoyed it, and um, I was kind of surprised by the response. So um, I wanted to make another stout that would be uh, lend itself more for barrel aging and for adding adjuncts and fruit and chocolate. And so we created the, the 5X stout, and now that one is just clean drinking um stout um and we have some barrel aging and that one has met great uh response too and the whole point is to make that 17 percent, but really hide the booze so we want we keep the fusels low we keep the um the the heat low <laughs> and uh make it drink kind of like it's a 10 percent beer instead of a 17 so it's it's kind of sneaky um and then, yeah, and then recently we've um, yeah applied that to a seventeen percent IPA, and so now we have the, the five X IPA, and 
the general broader release is going to happen this Friday. Yeah, I, I got to have a preview. It was fun. <laughs> Let's back up. So fi- uh, 5X, when you say, hey, you know, I made a 5X stout, how big is your, your American stout that you're basing this on? Like, where do you get to that 5X level on? So normally, if I'm making a Russian Imperial stout, for example, uh, I'd be coming in at like a, a 12% ABV range. And that's that's an Imperial stout. Um but as far as ABV goes, that kind of is in the, the, the triple range for most other beers. I, I say, you know, triple goes up to about 13%. And then from, I'd say, 13 to um, 15, 13 to 16, that's going to put you in the times four range, like quadruples. And uh, so I think 17 is, uh, is then breaking into the quintuple area. And so for this stout, yeah, we... We tend to brew um, a base beer that's going to come in at nine, ten percent, and then we 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 feed it more sugars so that it can get all the way up to the seventeen percent without becoming overly sweet and um, and harsh. Yeah, which I think is a big goal. So let's actually let's break into that five uh, X IPA, and by breaking, I don't mean drink it right now because it's the middle of the day, and I need <laughs> I need to work. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> So the the 5X IPA, as you said, you know, as we're talking, it's going to go on sale this Friday at the brewery. If people are listening to this episode when it's brand spanking new, wait until Friday and then you'll be able to actually go get the beer. We're also uh, shipping out a uh, a pallet of 40 cases up to Tavor on Friday as well. Oh, there you go. So you got the the, the 5X IPA here, 17% alcohol, because that seems to be your magic line for 5X. And then (laughs) I'm trying to remember, 170 nominal IBUs? Uh, Yeah, yeah, 170 calculated IBUs for for this guy. Let's break it down. What's our starting gravity look like on a 5X IPA? The calculated gravity um, is going to be, our target gravity is 1.124. But we don't put all of that in the fermenter right in the beginning. We have about uh, fifty six hundred points of, of of sugar going into the fermenter after the um, the boil's already done and and the beer's been fermenting. Right, and, and to remind people again, your your brew length is seven barrels, right? So yeah, yeah. So any single recipe um, is uh, is about a seven barrel size, and uh, for this one, we we tend to do. Double or triple batches. We're talking, you'd said nine, nine, 10% out of the boil kettle. What do you have there for grain and whatnot to, to get you to that nine, nine, 10%? Well, for this beer, um, we're trying to keep a, a nice, clean uh, base malt profile. So we start with some Brees Pilsen. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this brew length, it's about, it's uh, 275. And Cali Select, which they're now calling Pure California, uh, about 250 pounds of that. And uh, 100 pounds of wheat. So that's uh, 35%, 32%, and about 13% of the initial fermentables into the, into the mash tun. And then uh, we add another 8% of the recipe, or 55 pounds, into the kettle, along with uh, two of the, the buckets of rice syrup, which accounts for 17% of the fermentables. And that goes in the kettle as well, so 110 pounds of that. So... Sugar, obviously, to drive up the drive up the gravity, but also without adding any sort of things to add to the body. Rice syrup, some of the same. I mean, same general idea, but why why both sugar and rice syrup? So the um, the sugar is just straight sucrose, mm-hmm. and uh, the yeast. Um, if you expose them early on to too much sucrose, they'll get lazy and <laughs> they'll stop uh, fermenting out the maltose and some of the other uh, more complex sugars. So um, 
So with the rice syrup actually has a lot of the, um, the fermentables already converted into maltose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's gone through that, that malting and mashing process. And so, uh, we're actually uh, feeding in more maltose that way. Um, but again, without, uh, too much adding too much flavor or too many proteins or too much bulk into it. Although it's funny. Cause like usually when people are using rice, like flaked rice or whole rice, if you're saying Anheuser-Busch or whatnot, I almost always, and I don't know if it's just childhood taste sensation association, but I almost always get that taste of the old, uh, Chinese rice candy that comes wrapped in rice paper. Do mm. you know what I'm talking about? I don't think I've had that. Very unusual taste memory from when I was a kid. Comes in a <laughs> comes in a very uh, sort of decorated box, and yeah, the, each individual piece was wrapped in a little piece of rice paper, and you just pop the whole thing in your mouth. And mm. when the rice paper dissolved, you got a sweetness, obviously, but mm. there was also just kind of a a. a powdery slightly grassy thing and Hmm. what i've generally found a lot of times in beers that have a fair amount of rice in them again i don't know if this is anything other than my brain forcing a connection where it is but i'll find some of that in there and what's interesting maybe it's just because of the amount of alcohol and the amount of hops in this didn't notice that here (laughs) in the 5x well and i wonder what percentage of some of those other beers that you taste that in uh what percentage of rice they're using and uh you know, if it's the bigger guys, are they actually starting with rice and going through the whole, um, you know, um, boiling process and gelatinizing it and that kind of thing? Um, whereas this, it's already been done for us. So oh, I don't know. Um, we also use uh, flaked rice in the uh, the game day blonde that we make, and I I don't get much of any flavor from the rice in that one either. Oh, like I said, it's entirely possible. It's just my brain playing tricks on me. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> But yeah, there is plenty of other flavor in this beer in particular uh, to hide any um, subtle notes that might come from the rice. Right. And so, again, everything about the malt bill and that the kettle sugar there, it's all about trying to get clean sugar with a minimum amount of body because you're already going to have a ton of body coming in just from the sheer amount. Absolutely. And then also trying to push as much towards the idea of fermentability. Right, because we want it, especially with our IPAs, we want it dry, yeah, as dry as possible. So, yeah, and you said this started at like what eleven twenty four nominal. What's your terminal? We we actually finished, and I think this uh, is due to the amount of ethanol in it. But uh, we finished at uh, zero. Um, what is it? Yeah, it's zero point nine nine. So we were just just under one uh, for the uh, the specific gravity. Um, <laughs> and so it, it 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 got there. It got it got very nice and dry. And and body wise, it 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 drinks. Um, would you say like double IPA range, maybe? Yeah, and it's very it, it's surprisingly light and crisp. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then yeah. and then you get about you get about halfway through your glass, and you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's where that uh, uh, technique of standing up while you drink it comes in handy, right? Oh yeah, my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Um. <laughs> So water, I'm assuming we're sulfate heavy to maximize hops or? Yeah, actually, um, I did do a little bit of uh, Britonizing with this one. So just heavy on the gypsum, um, about uh, 290 grams into the mash, um, which is pretty high for us in our system. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'm in the, the 50 range or so to, to bump it up. And so when you're, so you're in the, in the boil, you got the sulfate heavy water, you're adding the, the sugar and the rice solids in there. Do you, do you add those early or are those going late? Um, they're about midway. So I like to, 
give them enough time to dissolve and yeah you give them enough time to dissolve and i also like to let some of the isomerization of the um the the extract and warrior hops that we put in there mm-hmm. uh hop extract i like to get, like, give those a little time to interact with the a lower gravity wart right. um trying to push more of that isomerization um so i i, I wait another 20 30 minutes after adding the um the that initial bittering addition before okay. adding in any of the other fermentables so and speaking of that then you're using uh, hop extract kind of like what we've talked about on the show for the triple ipas like craig's triple ipa and you said you're using a warrior extract yeah so we use warrior extract i like the the clean bittering hops um low cohumulone and uh high alpha acid so I, I, that's my tendency i use magnum for some of our more um european styles you're a man after my own heart. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, some of the classic IPAs, I'll, I'll use some other hops for uh, getting a little more of a, uh, a bittering presence, <laughs> a little more of a bite. But for this one, it's got enough going on. It doesn't need that along with it. <laughs> um, so when when you're doing that extract charge, you know, so nominally the beer has 170 IBUs calculated. How many of your IBUs are coming from that extract? Uh, 123 is what okay. I'm calculating. So you're, you're you're pushing you're pushing a lot of early bitter uh, bitterness, which uh, makes some sense again because you got so much sugar that you're going to have a uh, difficult time dissolving alpha acid into this thing anyway. Exactly, and then we add another 30 IBUs of actual warrior hops at that same time. So 100, 150 in the uh, at the 60 minute point. Okay, and you use if I remember correctly, you use the 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 hops actually in there to provide kettle break and all that sort of goodness as well as a little bit of plant matter exactly yeah uh, without having to use too much and it's it's kind of like um, it didn't want to use uh, you know four cans so we were, it's it's kind of a way of using three and a half <laughs> so we can dial it in that way with uh, actual hops so we got that hop addition at the very start is this a uh, 90 or 60 minute boil uh 60 minute boil for this one so 60 minutes 60 minute addition of extract and of warrior hops to get to 150 ibus halfway through the boil you add in your sugar and your rice solids what happens at uh, the rest of the the way through the boil any, any other hop additions while we're still actually swirling and boiling um only when we get to the whirlpool i've found that uh we whirlpool long enough that the flavor additions uh, come through in the, the whirlpool just fine. So uh, rather than for most beers, um, I'll, I'll my next addition after the bittering will be in the whirlpool. And, and that's what we do here as well. And is it just off the boil whirlpool or do you drop the temperature a little? Not on this beer. For our hazies, we do drop the temperature and do uh, uh, some hop bursting. Uh, but this one and, and most of them, we just um, I'll uh, start recirculating. Uh, about two minutes before the boil, before flame out. And then uh, I'll let it recirc for about, I'll let it uh, go for about five minutes um, with the flame off. And then I'll add the hops. Um, we'll let those whirlpool for about five minutes. And then then I turn off the, whirl, the, the pump and let things settle out over the next 15 to 20 minutes. At this whirlpool edition, what do we got going? Uh, so for this one, uh, I've got two pounds of Cascade. I've got a pound of Centennial. I've got a pound of Brew One. I've got a pound of Eucanaut Cryo. So that's like a pound and a half, almost two pounds of um, actual Eucanaut. And uh, I've got a pound of Mosaic in there. So pretty much the the farm. <laughs> yeah, we like to, uh, 
being five threads, I like to throw fives around all over the place. So um, a lot of my hoppy beers, I'll use a blend of, of five different hops. And usually I'll try and find them complementary hops that have, that will build up in a certain oil profile. So, you know, citrusy is usually most often, but uh, some of the, the tropical fruit ones, I'll build on those too, especially nowadays. Kind of keep the piney side and the dank side a little lower. Um, these days, uh, it seems what the, uh, the market is trending towards kids these days and their fruit flavors. <laughs> exactly. You should taste the latest, uh, uh, hazy we made There's a lot of peach flavor coming forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we get the whirlpool for 20 minutes, uh, chill, and then off to the, off to the fermenter to do the magic. What do we have doing the, the actual sugar conversion to ethanol? So yeah, we we get it over to the the fermenter, and uh, I usually start it a little bit lower. Uh, normally, we ferment at sixty eight degrees. Uh, so this guy's going at uh, sixty six to start, and then uh, slowly over a couple of days, ramp it up to sixty eight, and then um, and then as we start adding the next round of uh, sugar additions, we'll we'll let it rise up to seventy two, so it can get some nice uh, energy stored in there and and finish out, but. That keeps the, the fusel's low, especially during that growth phase, and uh, and keeps it nice and clean, lets it finish out. And and this is the, I'm trying to remember your yeast strains, you're using uh, San Diego Super? That's correct. Yep, San Diego Super yeast. Uh, we, we build up a really nice big uh, charge of this <laughs> and add a, a good amount of, of, of yeast. Yeah. I'm trying to think what it would look like if you if you went to White Labs and said, yeah, can I get a seven-barrel pitch for a beer that's going to be uh, in the 1120s? <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, okay, yeah. Here's uh, you know, three pitches worth of yeast. <laughs> well, and so I'm assuming what well, you're taking that San Diego Super off of a tank of another Another yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Usually, uh, our game day blonde is our propagation beer. Uh, we're we're brewing it on a regular basis. It's a low ABV beer, um, so the, uh, the San Diego Super um, just chews through that pretty fast, and it propagates really well and uh, drops out. And we can harvest um, usually about twenty five, thirty gallons off of a double, triple batch of uh, of uh, of game day blonde. So we get a good a good amount out of that. Yeah, this is um, the reason why I tell people to go, you know, if you're going to make your own big beer at home as a home brewer, go talk, oh, yeah. to, your, go talk to your local brewery. They're, they're throwing away scads of yeast. <laughs> Often. Yeah. Uh, the more I brew these five X's though, uh, almost every last drop, drop is going into these. So <laughs> uh, we save enough to propagate the next batch and then, uh, you know, push, you know, I, uh, probably a six to and a half worth of volume of a yeast slurry per batch of the the 5x which is uh which is a lot so usually uh like a low abv seven barrel batch we can get away with like um a half of a sixels worth of yeast right. to to a sixtal you're in fermentation kinetics you're trying to stay relatively low of 66 to start with coming up to 68 and then you go and you add the sugar now, how how are you adding the sugar for this particular case? Because I can't imagine you're just taking raw sugar and going hello, and, unless you can close <laughs> your manway fast enough. Yeah, we're we're not dry hopping with the powdered sugar. <laughs> um, we actually make a, a simple syrup out of it. So, um, like we'll do about seven gallons in a fifteen gallon pot of water, and we'll add seventy five. Uh, pounds of sugar into that. Um, so that's about the ratio of the simple syrup we've been making that works pretty well. Um, this beer is getting 122 pounds for, um, 
for each batch. So, and since you were talking two to three batches, I mean, that's a couple of a couple of these runs of simple syrup making. Exactly. And yeah. Do you inject it into the into the beer? Like, do you do you try and flush it in somehow, or or you actually just? Yeah, I have. I have uh, these 100-liter containers that have uh, uh, tri-clamp fittings on the top and bottom. And so we'll, um, we'll boil it up in the kettle. We'll transfer it into this 100-liter that's been you know sanitized and whatnot. And uh, we'll actually push with CO2 from that uh, vessel into the racking arm pointed up. So we're getting a little bit of mixing, and hopefully it doesn't all settle out down in the, uh, the bottom of the fermenter. <laughs> and it certainly avoids explosions out of the top. Speaking of explosions out of the top, you've got the you got your fermentation ripping and rolling. I'm trying to remember from my experience with the beer, it's not hazy, so I'm assuming you're not doing any late primary dry hopping. No, no, we're not doing like the the biotransformation edition. We uh, we wait until it's uh, nice and calm. <laughs> we we will we'll step it down to 58 degrees um, once. Once everything, once we reach our terminal gravity, we'll bring it down to fifty-eight degrees. Let all the the yeast kind of drop out, and uh, and then we'll dry up at that point through the. Uh, and we we're limited in our, the fanciness of our equipment, so we still do the old-fashioned way: um, positive pressure in the tank and and uh, add through the, the the man way up top. Well, and so how long does it take for you to go from into the fermenter with the first with the first pitch of yeast? to now we're crashed at 58 and it's time to dry hop? Uh, so most of our beers, we can start dry hopping within 10 to 14 days. Uh, this one, I think, took an extra 10 days beyond that. So we were getting close to four weeks by the time we were able to dry hop. I'm working with a couple techniques to, to try and accelerate that. But mm-hmm. now, And I'm assuming, so I mean, you're talking nearly a month. Are you trying to do anything during the ferment to like, or I mean, are you trying to rouse the yeast or anything like that? Like blow CO2 back through the yeast cake or something to. I usually don't have to, usually don't have to. Um, If we see it start to stall or whatnot, then um, yeah, we can rouse the yeast. And in uh, extreme circumstances, I can uh, shut off the glycol to most of the tanks, uh, start CIPing one and we'll actually take the heat from the CIP of the one tank and uh, we can warm up uh, a second tank. Um, using that, which um, this last winter was pretty cold and we were trying to save uh, electricity. So it wasn't, or not electricity, but um, utility bills got a little cold in the brewery and we actually had to warm up a couple tanks because while they're insulated, they're not a hundred percent insulated. (laughs) So uh, we did actually use that technique once. Well, it's funny because I think a lot of people don't realize that for professional breweries, it's a lot harder to actually heat up your beer than it is to keep it cold. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how much um little energy it takes from the glycol chiller to just maintain fermentation temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um the real work comes in when we're trying to crash it down to thirty one degrees. That's when the glycol chiller is running constant for eighteen hours. <laughs> and just pump it, pump it. Um but yeah, adding heat uh, becomes uh that becomes an issue. <laughs> so we try, and that's why we, we let it rise um, towards the end of the fermentation to, so it can continue with its activity and, and not uh, stall out early. All right. And so we're in dry hop. Are we doing those same five, uh, five thread hops for, for a dry hop? Yes. So that base, and then uh, for this beer, we also added some citra. And so then we go from the dry hop. How long on the hops? 
Um, not long, not long. Um, about two days, um, about 48 hours, just enough to get the, uh, the oils off the, the hot matter without extracting more of the, uh, chlorophyll and <laughs> some of the other, um, vegetal aspects that come along with the hops. Flavor good, polyphenol bad. Yes. And then, okay, so at this point, we're nearly a month through from brew day. Oh, yeah. And then we have to package and, and carbonate. Mm-hmm. Any, uh, what challenges do you see at this point? So at that point, it's, it's pretty routine. Um, you know, we crash out, drop our hops. Uh, we do lose um, some volume based on the uh, – <laughs> because of the hop matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, it's just kind of business as usual going forward. Uh, I did make sure I carbonated a little higher than I normally would. Uh, the thicker beers seem to benefit from that. Um, <laughs> except, and, for, except for, of course, this one's not terribly thick in the finish. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, also uh, going into cans and knowing I'm going into cans, I'll, I'll carbonate a little higher too. So we'll go to, I aim for 2.7, 2.8 volumes of CO2. Yeah. Uh, but, by yeah. the way, I think one of the smartest business decisions that you ever made and possibly a health and safety decision was not to go into the 16 ounce cans like your regular beers are going, but instead to go into a 12 ounce can. <laughs> yeah, we even thought about going into those uh, eight ounce shorties, uh, which would have been kind of fun and unique. But uh, uh, they're they're even harder to source than regular sixteen ounce cans <laughs> or, or twelve ounce cans. Well, so. and, and, and right now, of course, cans are just like ah. Uh, there was a while there where everybody was taking whatever they could get. So we've got this five X, and I just want to tell people uh, again: we're not having it right now, but you and I both had it uh, the other day. To me, what I thought was really impressive about it was how clean, how crisp, how much like a double IPA, particularly one of the drier double IPAs, like a like a Plenty of the Elder type, uh, more canted that way, right? How much that mm-hmm. taste yeah, is like that, despite being 17%, despite having a lot of hop character. And actually, what was really nice for a beer that, that, was, that was that big, it had a lot of you know, bright, fruity hop character to it without, again, the vegetal matter, without feeling muddy and without feeling actually overly bitter. And uh, of course, I'm going to say a lot of that's the the extract, I think, giving you that power. But the thing I kept, as I was mm-hmm. having it, the thing I kept drawing my mind to was something like Dogfish Heads 120, right? Or Bell's Hop Slam, both of which mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I know Bell's Hop Slam's lower, I think the dogfish head 120 is either lower or it's right in that same ballpark. To me, Mm. those both feel far thicker, far sweeter, far more cloying. And this one really did taste bright and crisp and subtly angry and dangerous. (laughs) Well, I I think there's um, uh, kind of an aversion to using too much sugar in beer. Um, from the general brewing community. Um, uh, and I could see that because you don't want to be, you know, um, you know, like a, a Bud Light kind of company. But I think in this situation, it, I'm using it as a tool rather than as just a, um, a dollar saving technique, <laughs> you know. So, um, so I think a lot of brewers, when they try and get these really big beers, they're, they're going all malt. And I think that's what makes the difference. Um, like uh, double IPAs, especially from from back east, um, they do it all with with malt, and they 
um, come across thicker and sweeter to me. Um, and being West Coast, I like my IPAs crisp and dry. So I've always uh, I've always used you know le- a very clean malt bill and, and very fermentable um, grains, and um, and maybe just a little bit of sugar to to dry it out. Um, and in this case, uh, a lot more sugar. So well, if you, if you had to guess, like of the total sugar bill, right, grain, malt, and everything, and sugar. How how much of the beer is sugar? There's about uh, let's see six, eight about eight thousand points of uh, gravity points come from the sugar. Uh, about four thousand points come from the rice syrup, and um, pre mashing, uh, there's about twenty three thousand um, points coming from uh, uh, from the the grain bill itself. So. I think that works so out to be about 35%. a third. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so th- 35, um, I was doing the math as, as we were going along. <laughs> it's about, yeah, 34% of your, of your gravity points come from the sugar, which I mean, in comparison to, I think how a lot of people are using sugar in their beers seems high, but then you go and you look at like a Belgian triple mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a Belgian triple is going to be a third sugar. One of my early um, high gr- higher gravity beers in my homebrewing days was a, a Belgian Golden Strong, and uh, Belgians use sugar all the time. So um, that's kind of where I got into the the habit of, and technique of using the sugars for for more ABV and and without the dry without the uh, the added bulk. Right. Well, and and as I remind people on the podcast in the past, you know, remember adjuncts are not always necessarily evil. Rice and corn were not originally used in American brewing because they were cheaper, but because American barley was crap. Um, and so therefore they are, they are when appropriately used good tools to drive your goals. And in this particular case, I think with the five X IPA, the fact that you could make a beer that still tasted and felt like I was having a, a strong double IPA, not, not a weak double IPA. It was, I was having a good, strong double IPA. But yet, at the same time, not in that 17% category, mm-hmm. uh, I think is actually fairly admirable and also shows a good use of those particular tools. I like the idea of actually using the rice syrup. That's going to be something I want to try and play with. Uh, Homebrewers, you should be able to find, if not rice syrup, I know a lot of stores will carry rice solids, mm. which are effectively just the, the DME version of rice syrup. You can also right. buy rice syrup online. So those will be available to you. Just be careful with scorching when you do try and start oh, yeah. using it. <laughs> Treat it just like extract. Um, so my takeaways from listening to to you describe the process here is one is clean, simple malt bill to to emphasize. Yeah, some malt flavor, but not overwhelm and don't go for anything dark and heavy. Mm-hmm. Judicious use of sugar and and or alternative sugar sources to be able to effectively dry out the body. Right. Um, offer the gravity without any any additional body making materials, and uh, less than ten percent in the initial ferment of uh, of just sucrose, and then big stonking clean hop charge. In your particular case, with uh, extract warrior extract, mm-hmm. more yeast than you think you need, while <laughs> yes. also restraining the temperature. Yes, and so you were saying sixty five to sixty eight to seventy two, but people have to remember, at least homebrewers have to remember that when you hear what a professional can do in their tanks versus what we would do, you probably want to knock a couple of extra degrees off of what you're hearing from the professional side Mm. to 
accommodate for the fact that they're getting ester suppression by just sheer wort volume height. So in reality for a home brewer, that would be more like starting that San Diego super yeast, that big charge of San Diego super yeast at say 63. Yeah. 63, 64, maybe. Uh, instead of trying to immediately go for that 66, 68 type type of range. Um, just again, to deal with everything about what you're trying to do with the fermentation mechanics is to reduce overt yeast character, largely the fusels and the phenols, but still even then some of the, the ester profile. Right. And then obviously more hops than you think you need, because when you're trying to penetrate through on a big alcohol beer, you need more hops. Absolutely. Anything, anything else that I've missed in the list of. No, I I think you've, I think you hit on all of it. All right. Well, uh, Tim, Mm -hmm. any last words that you want to tell people about five threads or about the five X series before, before we let you go? Yeah. Um, so the five X series is something that we've, um, been rolling out over the last year or so, and, uh, we'll continue to expand. Our, our next, uh, five X will be a, a blonde. Um, we've got the five X stout coming back, uh, really soon here too. That's already in the fermenter. And, uh, later this year, we're going to come up with the, 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 another round of the five X red. And then by, um, Christmas time, we should have our five X barley wine, which is still going to be 17%, but it'll be barley wine recipe. Uh, and we're looking forward to, to that. It should be pretty fun. Um, and, uh, just to let people know, uh, our tap room is now open again. Um, we're going to start up some of our entertainment options, uh, soon here and, uh, and we've added a kitchen. So we've been able to rent out a, a food truck of our own. So we have our very own chef and our very own menu. And, uh, now we have food on site, um, when we're open all the hours that we're open. Uh, those are all new things that we've come along with in the last, uh, couple months actually. <laughs> so been an interesting time <laughs> all right and again uh, for folks who are in the la area you can go find tim at five threads which is out in westlake village, westlake uh, village just yeah. just off of the 101 uh, so be really hard pressed to miss it and go enjoy yourself and have some good beers also make sure you take a 5x to go <laughs> and there are two uh hotels right next to us uh there's the uh the um oh geez i'm blanking uh, four seasons right across the street. And I think there's a residence in right around the corner. So, uh, if you do overdo it and you've come too far <laughs> to Uber home, uh, there's a couple options there too. So you can take your five X out to back to your hotel room. <laughs> there you go. All right. And so Tim, thank you for taking some time here on a, on a weekday afternoon. Of course. Uh, thank you for sharing the beer with me that I thought that was a, a, a rather interesting treat and a good, a good trick. So in the meanwhile, everybody else, there you go. There are your keys. And make sure you go and uh, get a chance to try some of this 5X IPA. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at how big you can go with your hoppy beers and still stay clean and drinkable. Trust me, this beer was surprising for just how well it worked. And don't forget, you can pick up this beer at Five Threads Brewing Company this Friday. So go ahead, get your hands on it. Just be somewhere safe when you drink it. Now, remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget that you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA, Amazon Brewers Friends, or BYO links on the website. And by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is World Central Kitchen. Don't forget, we're getting ready to wrap this up. It will have been one full year of fundraising. 
to help feed those who need food in their time of need. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files.